Hi, and welcome to Whole Heart Transformation. I am Melissa Alguera, your personal identity life coach. Let's go to the podcast. Hey guys. Well, we are on our character structures for the last three weeks. I've been discussing all different types of character structures that we have as humans. And I've been talking about some of the deficiencies in them, what it looks like when you have some sort of deficiency in these character structures, and then also what it looks like to have growth in the character structure, some of the process that I've gone through and have gone through with some of my my family, my clients, and all of that. And then also what it looks like to be healthy. So I'm going to wrap up this you know, four-part series today. But I do want to share with you that in my next podcast, I have a special guest and I, you know, this, what I'm talking about, what I've been doing in my coaching, I I mention this person a lot. His name is Aaron Eggman and he is the creator of Character Formation Coaching, which is what I've spent the last year just training under aggressively. So I am so excited because he's going to come on and talk about the details of it and why it's beneficial. And, you know, he's the creator, so why not have him on? Okay, let's get right into it. So the fourth character structure that I want to discuss with you today is adulthood slash authority. And, you know, this is something that when we are kids... It's obvious that we can't get adulthood in our childhood, but, but there are aspects of our childhood where we learn this, you know, we learn um, how to take responsibility, how to use our voice, you know, did we get that growing up? And if we didn't get some of these built into us growing up, then it will be really difficult for us to do this as adults. Uh, I saw something just recently about, uh, it, it was a, there's, there's this awesome coach and she's a parent coach and she's got like some really awesome feedback when it comes to parenting and like what your kids do. And she was talking about fawning And I don't know much about fawning because that's kind of like a later term that I've heard when it comes to, you know, the flight, fight, freeze um, thing. But she was talking about how fawning looks like the perfect child where they basically are having to wear a mask. They can only present themselves one way. And, you know, how the child basically just collapses like it cannot this child cannot be who they were designed to be because it it wasn't okay. They don't, they're not able to use their voice. They're not able to express anything. And I was laughing because not that this is funny, but I often allow my kids to push back with me at times because I don't want them to lose their voice. Now I had definitely haven't done parenting perfectly for, for sure. I have, lots of trauma that's still getting processed out in my body um and it's still implicit which means it's not known to me in my conscious awareness 
it's something that is slowly coming out into from my subconscious into my conscious awareness. And sometimes when we've had, you know, parts of us stuck for so, so long, it takes time for that to come into our conscious awareness. And so, but even with that being said, for me, even though sometimes it feels really hard to let my kids use their voice back and, um, you know, it, it can take a lot longer to get to a place where we need to go. Like, for example, my daughter, she was like, I had asked her to get ready and she was like, I don't want to get ready. Um, no, actually she said, no, she told me no. And I was like, okay, well, no doesn't work for me right now because we have to be out the door an X amount of time and you need to be ready. So that doesn't work for me right now. And I was like, and I want you to use your voice. So can we change some of the verbiage here? Can you say, I don't want to do that because I want to invite her into creating space as an individual person and having some authority over her life, you know? So, um, so I, I let her do that. I let her then say to me, I don't want to do that. And then I was like, yeah, totally get that. And it, it makes sense that you don't want to do that. However, I know that you want to go to this Thanksgiving potluck with your friend. And then when I told her that she was like, oh my gosh, yeah, let's go. So anyways, just, just giving like feedback in those particular moments, even with my kid where I'm giving her some level of authority, but not in the sense of where she's overpowering me as an adult. And not that she's one down, it's that I'm still her caretaker and I'm still you know, over her in the process. And she could say no if she didn't wanna go. And that would have been you know, a bummer for her and for my son, but she did end up wanting to go and it was a benefit. And so it's something that we work through. And, and that's part of the reason why I let her use her voice at times and not give absolute, like, don't you talk back? Like, don't you say anything to me? Because I know down the line, if indeed I stifle her in her voice, then she will lack in adulthood. Another thing that I want to share that we've been doing just recently is she's been really nervous about like ordering food or paying for food when we're at a restaurant. And like, if we give her money, let's say she, she wants to get, let's say she wants to get another thing. Maybe we were at a burger place and she wanted to get another burger or something. And we had already ordered, then we would give her the money to do that, to strengthen her ability to, you know, know how to have conversation with other people to build up that strength internally that she can do these things and that I don't need to do all of these things for her. Now, mind you, she's almost 12. And so this is what we've been slowly building. Um, I feel like COVID was kind of a disservice to us in that time because we weren't able to build this quite as much, you know, going out, paying for things, how to talk to other adults um in this type of dynamic where you're ordering things but these are things that help build this character structure while they're still young obviously they're not adults but giving them the chance to grow in this type of way helps them to be better when they get older and they can see value in their voice 
Um, another thing that we worked on <clears throat> just recently is how she sees herself an authority. And this can be hard because, you know, we definitely want our children to respect authority to a healthy degree. But what happens when there's authority and the authority figure is unhealthy, their requests are unhealthy and harmful, then we have a problem when children are not raised to know how to interact with unhealthy authority or to like not see themselves as one down with authority. So for example, like if she had a school teacher that was requiring things of her that were going against her own values or like what her body needs, then we would have discussion around that. Like use your voice, you know, share how you don't like that, ask for help, you know, and, and this is what's really hard because I was raised in the generation of authority is the absolute word and you have to do that and that's it. But what happens when my child becomes an adult and the authority figures are doing things that are inappropriate, wrong, and I haven't allowed her uh, the space to push back on that or talk with me on that or us to process that. What happens is then, then they see themselves as this one down when it comes to these authoritative people and relationships. And often, like for example, in one of my cases where I had had a really bad experience with one of my youth pastors and it was really hard with him. Like he, I don't think he liked me and um, that I felt, I felt really stifled and I felt really picked on in a sense. And so what I did was I took that type of relationship and I subconsciously carried it over into all authoritative relationships, especially in the church. And I remember, um, I remember when I started to process and group this whole entire dynamic of how I felt as this young person to how I felt as a 40 year old, because I processed this this year in relationship with other authority figures. And I had even worked through like, man, I would take on another person's like on my authority, like even though I didn't, even though I did not like what they were saying, I would just do it. So that way, you know, I would stay in relationship with them. And I had no idea that I was doing this one down thing and letting them be one up over me. So as I started to heal, I started to, you know, interact with the leader as like, huh, they're not God. They're a flawed human, but I respect their position. It is their ministry or job or whatever. It is theirs. But I also can see them as a peer-to-peer -peer relationship and as an adult, not a father figure, not a mother figure, just peer-to-peer -peer understanding that they are indeed a human. And even though they're an authority, 
they are, they're still human and I'm not beneath them because they're in some sort of authority position. And so that's kind of like some examples of processing out adulthood and what it looks like when it's deficient, like when it's deficient, you know, it tends to be irresponsible and putting it on someone else. Um, it looks like, um, the inability to make decisions. Oh my gosh. You, you could ask my husband this, but I laugh because he used to be very indecisive and it would just drive me freaking crazy. I'd be like, dude, make a decision. You know, even, even with like parking, it was really hard for him to even make a decision on parking. And, you know, as he, as he healed and grew that now he's just like very, very decisive on a lot of things. And it's been so nice because then I don't have to be like, oh my gosh, like make a decision <laughs> when I'm such a decisive person. I actually have that very strongly in my adulthood. Um, but I also struggled with different things. Like for example, paying bills or, um, you know, paying registration stuff. Like I struggled with that taxes. Oh my gosh. I would wait till the last minute to get that done because it was so overwhelming to my system. My body would just struggle. And so all of these things, when we don't have the capability to grow in this, or we don't know that we need to grow in this, or we don't know why we haven't grown in this, we just kind of tend to do the same things. And then we have these, you know, dynamics in relationship where it's kind of funky and we kind of look down on the people that are in these roles or we either think we're above or beneath them. And it gets really kind of weird when it's like that, you know, we can even, we can even, you know, put a person in this hierarchy role and think that they're so amazing and, and imperfect. Oh my gosh. I remember I've had a, I had a friend that was very like this with me. Um, they would see me as a very perfect. And I started knocking down those walls because number one, I don't want anybody to see me that way. And so I, I honestly, like I would cuss in front of this person. I would tell them my pain. I mean, it was like, I needed to knock down their view of me because the standard that I was being held to was just outrageous for me. It was so uncomfortable and so hard for me. And I noticed that once that view started to become knocked down, they really didn't contact me anymore. It was very hard for them to handle the fact that I'm a human and not an object. It was really hard for them to understand that I'm flawed. Yeah, there's a lot of great things about me, but I'm super flawed and I'm quite aware of it now more than ever. And I love that, like, because the standard for me is like, I know I'm flawed and have lots of grace and God to cover that. And I'm also pursuing healing and working on my character deficiencies. And so for me, if someone else can't see me like that, that I'm in process, flawed, all those things, it's going to be really hard for them to be in relationship with me because when I'm really honest about where I'm at, you know, that might be scary. So these are just some of the things that have been really, really impactful. Like as I've 
broken open this character structure. Another thing with this character structure, when you when you have a deficiency in it, is sexuality is becomes kind of an issue. Like, because sexuality, it's kind of interesting with our sexuality. It is a an adult behavior, but a lot of people use it as a childish means to have an adult experience. Are you hearing that? So not having the capability of using sex as something that is a power and a responsibility and like something that you rule over and you know what it's for. It's really for connection with another person. It's for the means of knowing the person. It's, it's, out, it's built out of deep connection already. Um, that is a healthy adulthood sexuality. But when we're using sex as a way to cope with negative emotions or it's an impulse or maybe it's something that we struggle with greatly, it's it's fantasy based, you know, that's when this becomes twisted and we have some deficiencies in our character. And so we have to get curious with that because it's, it is real and it is really common. And unfortunately, I would say that pornography itself has really made our society extremely deficient in this area. Like pornography has been the epitome of what a lot of people draw their sexual experience and knowledge from. And I would say from what I've learned, it is the worst place to draw your information from because not only is it um, it's completely unsafe, but then it's also degrading and it's um, debilitating and it's disgusting and it's it's a one up one down position often with the people that are in those roles in pornography videos, um, and so that that would put your adulthood level in a different place, whether you, you know, are drawing your information from that. Let's say you're the person, you're the person who sees himself as one down and the sexual realm. Well, then you would be not somebody who is, you know, able to have a voice when, when somebody is engaging, wanting to engage in sex with you, you don't know how to say no, things like that. All of those things require a level of adulthood in order to be able to say no, to have a strength to use your voice and say, I don't like that even during sex. Like, even if there's like, you know, I, I've, I'm just thinking about times where I've been in that place and there's things that I don't like. And if I didn't say no, the cost to me was greater. And so being able to say no, like this is painful. I can't do this. I don't want to do this. All of those things encompass a level of adulthood and not being controlled or ruled by something else. And it's hard because we have been taught in this manner that this is good and this is okay. And like, this is how we learn about sex, but it doesn't put us in a space of healthy 
image, like imagery of ourself, like we don't see ourselves in a healthy way, shame ends up coming and being this like huge blanket. When we engage our body in a one up or one down way, when we're processing out sexuality, you know, it, or not processing, but like when we're having sex with another person and that space is not an equal interaction. Do you hear what I'm saying? I mean, this is really hard because we've been taught different. But if you're one down, what does that mean? That means that you're not able to use your voice. When If you're one up, you're taking your voice from someone else and you're seeing yourself as superior. It's a really scary place to be. We often learn this, these power struggles from not just pornography, but the way we grow up. How did we see our parents interact? Or what were we needing? You know, sex is a really easy outlet to act these things out that are unfinished within ourself and within our character. You know, the ability to have a healthy even perspective with God, understanding that God, you know, he is not the one who's responsible for everything the way that we have been told. And this is how we end up getting bitter and angry towards God because we kind of like feel like he's supposed to be responsible for everything and I'm not supposed to do anything. And I honestly don't see that scripturally ever. I actually see God requiring quite a bit of us to move as a human and do things as a human, obviously doing it with prayer and supplication. Like that is important because we want help on the journey, but taking responsibility for either the gifts and the callings that he's given us or, you know, following the direction that he did give us or even saying no. That's a really cool thing about free will even. Like how cool is it that God has given us the ability to choose? He's given us our authority. In fact, it was the first thing, one of the first things that was given in the garden was to have dominion and authority over the earth and the animals. So this is something that has to be worked out within us. And then kind of lastly, another example, you know, I find this to be something that is really common in relationships. And it's where the person that is like, the breadwinner. And I won't say it's just men. I'm sure that this can be the situation with women too. But what I've encountered the most is with men, men that are breadwinners. Um, they don't feel like they ha should have any responsibility in their home. They go to work and that that's it. Like I do that and you do this over here in the home. And they kind of separate out their responsibility as a person. Now, I don't know, everybody's story is different. I don't know how you grew up. You don't know how I grew up exactly. We've heard some stuff, <laughs> but 
like in my home life, my dad only, I would only see him vacuum or do the yard. And then, but he worked a ton. And so he wasn't able to do stuff during the week. But my mom, man, she was stellar. She like, is that even a word anymore? <laughs> she, she uh, worked, she worked hard at a job. She worked from home and she raised us and she was a youth leader at our church and she worked on the house stuff. And so she, she had four jobs, you know, and I don't know what it is, but it seems like for whatever reason, it's permissible for women to do all the work, but for men, it's, it's like, I can just do one thing and not take care of the house or the children or have that. So I'm not sure what it is, but I want to share with you that when you are not able to share in the responsibility of your own household, whether that's your children or the way that the house looks, the cleaning of the house, the cutting down of trees or whatever, like that is a deficiency in your character because it's giving somebody else, number one, all the responsibility to handle all that. And that's putting the, the that person in a powerless position. It's one down. And it's saying that you are superior and you don't need to do these things. And um, there's no compromise in relationship when it's like that. And it's really unhealthy. It's not a mutual intimacy in your relationship. And so when there's a, those dynamics and it's, it's really, it's kind of black and white with it. It's not like this gray area, like, okay, I will come home and I will take responsibility for X, Y, Z, because I am a responsible adult here. I'm, I'm a, you know, I am an authoritarian person in this place. When you're not able to do that, the children lose respect for you. They don't go to you with their needs, wants, or desires because they see the dynamic that's going on. Where really, when you take responsibility for your own household as an adult and an authority figure, you're building some amazing character into your children because then they're able to come to you with things that they're needing. And your partner will not have to sit in a one down roll. Now, and this is hard because, and it, and it sounds like, oh, like the, the partner that is in the role of the, all the caretaking and stuff, that they are choosing to be in that. But I, I know it's really hard. It doesn't matter how many times a, a partner like that would ask for help or for involvement. There's, the person is really stuck and not able to progress and it doesn't benefit the relationship at all. And it makes somebody feel very powerless in the process. And I'm kind of wondering too, like the person that is in this, holding this position of I work all day and I come home and do nothing. I'm kind of wondering, does that person feel powerless 
when they're walking in the door. Like they don't even know how to do home life. And it would be a good thing to be curious with because those kiddos, they, they need somebody, they need that male role model to show them how to do these things as a male. They need that male figure to go, be able to go to when they have needs. And this takes a lot of work to undo when you've been doing it for so long. It's like just benefiting off the person that you're married to that's taking care of the kids and not, you know, having a mutual beneficial relationship where you're equals. So as we're talking here, I know this one is a little bit harder because there's some real serious stuff within adulthood and our authority. And for a lot of us, those character deficiencies are really deep and they take a little bit more time to unpack. But the really cool thing is it's totally possible and you can do it with safe people who know how to help you in your process to get you there. Thanks for listening. If you have found today's podcast helpful, please like, subscribe, and share. If you are interested in coaching with me, go to www.identitylife.coach. And you can also find me on Instagram, identity.life.coach. 